Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to that side, VUX World, uh, the podcast where we really, what we do if you're new here is we are hellbent on helping you and the world create highly successful conversations. And so we take industry experts from the field of conversational AI and voice AI, and we pick their brains about how they do what they do so that you can do what you do better, whether you're working on chatbots, voice bots, voice assistants, uh, you know, speech to text transcriptions, anything involving voice technologies want to help make your life a bit easier, set you on the right path and give you the right kind of insights that you need to make it a success. And I'm delighted to present our presenting sponsor for this episode and the future uh, episodes of VOX World. It's Deepgram. And Deepgram, if you're not familiar with Deepgram, they are a world-leading speech-to-text and transcription company that are powering literally loads of companies all over the world, whether it's things like speech transcription for meetings, whether it's powering voice bots, they're doing the whole lot. And if you've ever heard me speak about voice AI, you will know that I always say that your bot's performance is only as good as what you feed into it. And the speech recognition part of it is absolutely crucial. Deepgram, uh, literally, you can achieve over 90% accuracy with their speech recognition models, which is unusual even compared to the big cloud providers who you'll be aware of. And you can also do that at a fraction of the cost as well. So if you are interested in exploring Deepgram, if you're building voice bot applications, you're exploring voice assistant technologies, check out Deepgram. Visit deepgram.com forward slash VUX world to find out more. That's deepgram.com forward slash VUX world. Thank you, Deepgram, for presenting this episode of VUX world. And this episode is going to be an intense one. Uh, It is a super interesting company, Sovereign AI. Uh, We've been doing a lot of work and a lot of exploration around uh, conversational AI technologies and providers like Sovereign AI. So I'm super, super keen to find out more about the company, find out a little bit more about their secret sauce, if we can learn a little bit about that, and uh, see how they're approaching conversational AI and voice AI in contact centers and, and beyond. So I'm delighted to welcome our guest today, Clive Elford, who is the Chief Revenue Officer at Sovereign AI. Clive, welcome to VUX World. It'd be great to be with you and uh, enjoy talking to you about what we do differently. Perfect. Nice one. I had a bit of an issue with the screen there. I couldn't figure out what was going on, but we're back. Cool. Yeah, Clive, definitely appreciate it. I was just saying there before we uh, before we kicked off the broadcast that uh, we were talking about golf. We we're having some conversations about the Ryder Cup and all that lot. Any of the US listeners out there, uh, congratulations. And uh, to the rest of Europe, commiserations. I think we were definitely well beaten. But I was just saying Clive, Clive Elford sounds very much like a golfer kind of name, Clive. You must have I a golf only wish. I only wish I was a pro, you know, <laughs> rather than a hobby golfer. That would be really great. So um, I still have pro lessons. <laughs> yeah, I, I need pro lessons. I tell you, it's uh, yeah. I've had a, I've had a, uh, what is it? I was going to say a shank. It's not quite a shank, but I've had certainly a, a little bit of a slice on my draw, on my drive rather, for uh, for quite some time now, which is good when we're, we're you know on dog leg rights and stuff like that. But uh, going the other way is a bit of a challenge. Well, I can tell you how to fix that because I've had to go through that myself. Have that you? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I had a really bad slice. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Um, it's all about closing the uh, head face. That's it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah that's that's it. It's yeah. something that I've always always uh, struggled with. But maybe we'll chat golf uh, another time. Today yeah. we're talking conversational AI, voice AI, uh, and what you're up to as sovereign. So I'm super excited to get into this. Do you want to give us a bit of a, a bit of an overview? First of all, a bit of an overview on yourself, Clive. Like your your sort of career path. What got you to where you are today in in sovereign? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I've um, I've sort of now um, unfortunately hit forty years in um, uh, sales and development and business development. And for the last 20 years, I've been involved in uh, delivering for um, scale-ups and startups uh, and taking those to market and uh, mainly been in the tech field. Uh, so they've been from like fraud, uh, translation services and AI, and uh, most recently uh, within the, the sovereign um, realms, which is a very different field from what most people associate with this type of technology. So uh, we're now, you know, moving forward with our market and with our solution, which has now really had some very exciting events for us in the last few months, uh, which has uh, changed our landscape for us in a very positive way. So um, we're looking forward to driving more around what we're doing uh, across many different markets today. Mm, interesting. So, so tell us a bit about Sovereign then. What, what is Sovereign AI in, in a nutshell for someone who's never come across it before? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good one because um, Sovereign AI is what is traditionally known as bot technology. However, because we wanted to differentiate ourselves uh, from the market, and I think it's really important to highlight that there is a lot of skepticism in the market around some of the technologies that have been out there and deployed. So we have now uh, termed our technology voice-powered automation because mainly we've derived our technology through a different process and that we're able to handle uh, many different processes within the market. So where traditional ones weren't able to be automated, we've now proven that we can deliver an automation across virtually any type of process in the market. So it, distinct, it's, it, it makes us stand out um, significantly from lots of players in the market. And some of the key things that we have around is how fast we deliver and how accurately we deliver as well. So that it, it does make us stand um, ahead. And we're now um, partnering with the likes of Google um, because we've been able to demonstrate that we can achieve a lot higher rates of KPIs in lots of different ways. So it, it's really made um, people look at what Sovereign delivers today. Mm. And so it, is it a platform like a like a SaaS platform where someone will come and build voice bots themselves? Is it kind of a technology framework that requires a specialist skill set that the Sovereign team need to build and develop? How, how would it, somebody use Sovereign AI? I, th I think that's um, really important to highlight that uh, part, Kane, because a lot of people have been used to um, having platforms where they can dive in and they can start dealing with that. And we don't tend to have a platform like that because we build our consultancy right from the very beginning around the knowledge and expertise of what we've got. And because we've managed to deliver um, our um processes and our VPA through our technology, part of that success is, is around the people that build it. So 
It makes sure that we deliver the best in terms of the customer experience, the engagement, and also being able to deliver something that performs on day one. And so part of that process is in the consultancy, and you don't always get that just by diving into a platform and going, I need to create a route map or a tree or a roadmap in this way. We deliver it in a different way so that we maximize what the client gets right at the very beginning so that you get the optimum in automation. And there's lots of automation programs out there with um, projects which are going on which haven't delivered over many years. And so what we're doing is we're giving a, a positioning statement where we can deliver a lot higher automation from day one in a very short time frame. And you mentioned that kind of Google, working with Google and stuff like that, and you mentioned in voice automation. Are we talking voice automation in contact centers specifically? Is that is that where you're focusing? That's, that's really good, actually, because um, that's traditionally where most of our technology is seen and that where most players have been in the market. However, what we've been able to do because of the development of what we've done, we can now uh, provide our services in an automation that is engaging and provides very high CX in virtually any process. So if you wanted to use technical support, you wanted to use media, sales and marketing, uh, if there are areas within, say, order to cash process, which is very complex um, as a process, but also has some very mundane tasks in it as well, um, or, or you want to be involved in, say, a data breach um, or looking disaster recovery, all of those types of areas, we can actually accommodate um, anybody with a process that we can deliver very fast. So it's not restricted purely to the contact center environment. Interesting. So, so I'm sure there might be some people wondering if you have technology, Sovereign has technology that can automate conversations with customers, predominantly hook into systems behind the scenes to automate business processes. Uh, Google has very similar technology in the likes of Dialogflow, ES, CX, you know, the CCAI with agent assist and stuff like that. Although there's, I suppose there's question marks about how developed that is, but Google has some of the same technology, no doubt. So how did it come about that you ended up actually working with Google? Because Google doesn't seem usually to be a kind of company who uh, who does that kind of stuff. How, how, how does that come about? And, and is that not like a, a like kind of slight conflict for Google. Like how, how does it, how is all that working? Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. Um, yeah. You've hit the nail on the head there really Kane. That, that one um, was a very interesting one because it comes back to the point that I made earlier about low automation. And that was the problem that the client was experiencing was a low automation rate. And um, there was a position there where we could actually prove because of what we've done previously, high automation, but also deliver many more KPIs in a shorter period of time. And that's how it happened. And um, Google asked us to come in and look at how could we change some of the parameters that were in um, this client. And this is a, a utility client. They were, uh, or they are, um, the biggest utility provider within Latin America. And uh, what we were doing was to look at the whole complexity 
of what is engaging with the process of administration, support, updating, um, acquisition for a customer profile within a utility area. And what we delivered was a very substantial and sophisticated program that we delivered in under 30 days. And not only did we deliver it fast, but we also delivered it with the KPIs that the client was looking for as well. So hence, that's how we ended up engaging with Google. And we've delivered another project since um, in, a, in a different um, market sector. And what that is obviously shown to us is that we're able to deliver not just fast and, and get it in, but actually demonstrate that we can prove the um, automation rates and the customer engagement. Uh, and we've supported that with surveys that have been driven through the client, which is giving us continually nine and tens out of 10 all the time. So we know that what we're doing is right, but we're improving, obviously, we always need to improve. And that's how we've ended up with Google now and, and driving more and more projects across different areas. Interesting. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. It's crazy that. Um, so you mentioned earlier on, well, we'll get into the whole speed and accuracy and, uh, you know, you've mentioned the term automation rates a number of times. It'll be interesting to delve a little bit into what you define as an as, as automation and how you track that. But first, earlier on, you mentioned uh, that you have observed and witnessed over the years a, a degree of skepticism in the market. What, what I'm wondering if you can elaborate on that a little bit. Like, what kind of conversations have you been engaged in that, that show the market is skeptic and, and how are they skeptic about what, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think this is a, uh, an area which um, people have been skeptical of because of where the media has picked up on, on some of the um, demonstrations that have been done in the market. And I think that where we end up uh, doing damage to ourselves as a sector is where we don't actually have the courage of our conviction which is to actually do live demonstrations and that's the difference with sovereign um, is that uh, we decided that what we could do is actually have the courage of our conviction and do a live demonstration um, and actually within our platform uh, we can actually hand over um, control to a, um, a client or a prospect um, in a first call and ask them to drive the engagement with our VPA. And that's unheard of because um, one of the things that we had to prove, and I think the market had to prove, was that these things weren't pre-recorded. And I think that's a really vital part about the process because it then proves about our um, ability to engage at a very high level and to give a very high level of customer experience and that then the uh, customer wants to continually come back. And we've proved that with the very way that we've gone into markets where the, the customer is continually given, you know, nines and tens out of 10, and we achieve NPS scores of 65 plus. And so that doesn't come about by, you know, pre-recording. That comes around the engagement and giving people exactly what they need. And I think that that's where we've actually stood out and where we go, actually, don't let us tell you about it. Why don't you engage with it yourself 
and see what you feel about it so we get firsthand what people feel about engaging with Sovereign's VPA as opposed to here's an idea, here's a pre-recording, this is what we can deliver. Actually, we'll show you now and let's hear about it. So that's why we have really driven down that path of saying have a live demonstration and enjoy the experience that you're going to get. Mm. Yeah, it's 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 a challenge, isn't it, with with the live demos and stuff like that. I remember the very first time that they launched the Google Duplex uh, announcement at uh, I/O, and uh, we might even been 2018. That seems like ages ago. And yeah. then I remember stories coming out later on that like half of it was like human mediated, and it was kind of like you know this, not staged as such. I'm not saying it wasn't a live conversation, but there was more to it than it was actually led to believe. And so it's very easy as well to create a video uh, or a piece of content that demonstrates what something could be like. You know, you could just use basically just blank intents and shoehorn a response in so that it doesn't matter what you say, you'll get the response that you intend to fulfill that journey and then demonstrate a really fantastic journey off the back of it, like that happy path sort of thing. So it can be very easy to, I suppose, sell something that in reality, the practicalities of building a robust conversational AI are a lot more difficult than it is to demonstrate how nice it can be. Um, and so we did plan We did plan to uh, do a demo. We were going to do it a little bit later, but given that, given that you are uh, you know, mentioning how you like to do demos and like to show and tell rather than talk, uh, maybe now might be a time to do that. If that's good, yeah, yeah, absolutely, quite happy to do one, and it would, we can just do a simple one. But uh, you know, and I, I hopefully because I'm in, uh, I, I'm out in the middle of the sticks, and so my mobile signal isn't always the best. But um, I, I think it would be good to give people um, a, a little bit of an idea of what we can deliver. And this is a very simple one, but I think that when we say simple, um, it can be quite complex to other people, and we, mm-hmm. and what we do. Um, for example, uh, one I'll show you here, which or you're here, is one about booking a meeting, and that was, you know, probably more so the question pre-COVID. Um, but think people are doing things digitally now in a different way. But this gave us an idea of what we could deliver for Cisco because Cisco needed a type of um, application for this, and what this enables us to do is within our technology is for the sophistication to include things like understanding digit formats in a way that we would naturally say them like double four or say a mobile phone number in a specific way that gets repeated back in the way that you've said it. And also to be able to book something like as simple as a meeting is that we associate with, but actually you want to book it in in a way that's not um, a, a staggered way of doing it. You want to be able to make it flow, which is what we do as well. But we do this. This is quite simple for us, but it'll give you an idea of what the complexity of what we can go to and um, what we can do. And sometimes I, I play this with loud music um, in the background because it's not um, affected by anything else that's going on in the background environment. Um, but because of the signal here, I, I'll, I'll try and um, maintain it. So th- this will give you an idea of what we do. Good evening. Welcome to Sovereign. Select an application. Aye, sir. Okay, 
I'll connect you with our interactive smart attendant. Hello. This is the meeting room service. Your ID number, please. One two zero two double four six seven nine. Okay, let's see. One two zero two four four six seven nine. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Thank you. How can I be of service? I'd like to book a meeting in London for two people next Friday. What time? Uh, 2 p.m., please. How long do you need the room? Uh, one hour, I think, will be fine. So let's see. You want to book a meeting room for two people in London on the 8th of October. The meeting will start at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and takes one hour. Is this right? No, I need to change that to Dublin. Okay, we'll change London to Dublin. Let me check the availability. One moment, please. So that's just going off now to find what it needs to establish and ignores me entirely. Mm -hmm. I've booked your meeting in the Guinness room. <laughs> Would you like me to mail the invitations? Yes, please. Will you be attending too? Yes, I will. Okay, then I'd like to have the full names of all the others who will join the meeting. Let's do that one by one. The first name, please. So I could go on then and start giving names out, etc., and it will start taking all those names in, and it will email uh, all of those uh, attendees to the meeting as well. So that gives you an idea mm. of where you can book a meeting, and it, what you heard there was me booking several slots at one go. Yeah. which is how you'd normally book a meeting. You wouldn't go, I want a meeting at London. When do you want it? Next Friday. What time? You know, we we mm. can just do it all in one session. Mm. And we, we can, you know, we can do very complicated things more than that uh, that enables us to give a, and as you heard, it's a very natural environment and an engagement uh, with them as well. And you can even put uh, VPA on pause. You, you can ask it to pause. I haven't got the information. I need to go and get my credit card to pay for something. So and it, it will just say, okay, take as long as you like. Hold on. So we mm. can do things like that. So it's good to be able to demonstrate to people that in a live environment, we are really up for demonstrating what we can do really well, mm. uh, which is a VPA like this. Yeah, and that was good. That I enjoyed that, as, and there was a couple of nice touches about it as well. Which, um, from a conversation design perspective, I enjoyed the the, the pieces where it said, "Let's see," because it's kind of like it's it's not it's not sort of um, I don't know. It's it's a it's a nice relaxed conversational tone. It makes you feel a little bit yeah. at ease. It's it's not over promising. And it's just saying, well, let's let's see, let, let, you know, let me just confirm this bit. And I also like the bit where I know, and I wanted to get into um, the your thoughts on what makes something human-like, because I know that you mentioned it on the website. And there was a bit of it there that you know, things like saying phrases like "let's see," the voices sound reasonable enough. Um, but there was something in there which which I actually liked, um, which I wouldn't say is necessary. I suppose it is, might be human. Like, actually, I might be contradicting myself here. But the little bit where it, where it said, um, "Let me just go and confirm that," 
and then it played a little bit of holding music. Uh, it was a nice, um, I think, what's the term I'm looking for? A nice touch that basically let you know that you can't talk now. Something's happening behind the scenes. Just wait. Because when people hear hold music on the phone, they understand that now is the time just to wait. Um, <laughs> and it didn't really wait that long. But it was a nice kind of way of using a sort of design um, kind of, uh, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a design choice that was fitting with the modality that a, that a human yeah. on the other end understands, but it's not necessarily like a um, a typical thing that, that most voice bots tend to do. They don't tend to put people on hold, but it actually worked out pretty well. So there's a few things there that I think worked worked uh, you know pretty well. It was good. We, we, we can do um, a lot more than that. Um, that. That's a very simple one just to give people an idea of the tonality and the naturalness of what we do. But also when you get someone, for example, um, if you say um, your um, credit card number and you want to say it in a specific way, it repeats back in exactly the way that you've said it. Mm -hmm. It's the same with a mobile phone number. Mm-hmm. When you, If you repeat a mobile phone number in a different format to the way you've said it or the way you naturally say it, you actually ask yourself, is that my number? Yeah. And, and that's one of the great things about the intelligence of what we've built is that we are making it as natural for the uh, caller to engage with us, which is why we do so many different approaches to our technology in different um, areas. So we, we can cover compliance. You know, we can deal with, you know, for example, let's say you've got a, a, a data breach type positioning you've got anxiety within customers that have now worried about their data um, being exploited so the first thing that you've got to do is manage how those calls come in and those calls could be really high volumes with thousands and thousands of calls um, uh, at a time and so being able to manage those um, in a specific way that you engage with the customer and put them at ease is really important but on the other hand, if you want to do something like an outbound um, calling process, which is for a structured campaign where you want to gather more data, there's a different way again. And that's part and parcel of what I mentioned right at the beginning, which is this consultancy piece, which we offer, which is about how do you build the best engagement so that people aren't cautious about what we deliver. They're actually looking forward to what we're delivering because it engages with the customer so much. Mm. And you, obviously there's lots of factors around what we're delivering, which is, you know, the, the KPIs, the lower, lower cost, the higher N- NPS, the higher um, uh, elements that we get back in terms of surveys. But also at any particular stage, if we needed to, um, it, it has the ability to understand intent and it can then transfer to a human agent if it needs to. But I think the really important part about that is that once you've transferred to a human agent, you can the agent doesn't have to go through that whole process again of asking the customer all the details about the call or the problem or whatever it might be. They have the identity of the customer, and they can go straight into the call and go, hello, Kane, I understand that you've got a problem today with this, that, or the other. Um, let's see if we can deal with it right now. 
um, and you've got that dealt with, but also we can pass back into the process again. So you go back into VPA so that you can actually deal with maybe you want to get the survey completed with the customer. And because you've dealt with it in a very seamless, really fast way and an engaging way, we get a lot higher um, engagement with both our own clients and also their customers as well. Mm, nice. We've got a couple of comments coming through from the demo. We've got Kaim who says thumbs up. We've got Fraser who says excellent. And the award for the absolute best name so far from anyone who's had any comment on the show since we've started is Mona Lisa who said impressive. I so, like, I, I like um, all of those. <laughs> Thank you very much because uh, I'm not the one behind the technology. Um, we, we have some very clever people behind the technology and uh, you know I, I think one of the things that um, is really important about what we're delivering is it's great to hear what we deliver and, and what we can do across any process but I think it's really important to understand from a customer's point of view as well um, is how how we're able to deliver this fast because one of the great things about our technology is that we don't need programmers to build what we need for customers. And we programmers is what not what we need. What we need is people that understand structure of grammar, sentences, and that understand natural language and our native speakers, because we can deliver this in any language. It's just a case of understanding what do you want to achieve through that process for your customers at the end of the day, whether that's you know a data breach, an incident response, or whether it's purely giving customer admin or dealing with FAQs, whatever it might be. It's actually having a, a team together that can deliver that for you so you get the best in the automation as well at the end of the day. And when we talk about automation, um, you know, there was a McKinsey report that um, was showing that roughly everything that was delivered in automation was around about 11% of automation. Um, we're delivering 90% plus. Uh, we even do 100% in some cases, depending on what it is. But we have very high automations from day one because we don't have the um, requirement of having to do machine learning. With that. So that's hence why we can deliver programs really fast. And typically, most of our programs are around about 20 days, something of that nature, depending on the complexity. Interesting. So, so you mentioned that McKinsey said that the average kind of automation percentage for a project is eleven percent. You're managing to reach ninety odd percent. What is kind of what would you class as automation? Like, is that a success? Is that like one conversation completed? Is it to do with you know something being in the in the meeting room case, number of bookings made? Like, what are you using to define? the success of of an automation project? Uh, well, McKinsey would define that as being the complete process of the call. So that's not just one element of the call. It's actually what do you do with that whole engagement of the process that you want to achieve? So that, that has got to be from the time the customer calls to the time the, the call ends. And that might be anything from, you know, we, we do elements which are, you know, um, six, seven-minute calls, or we do two-minute calls. It, it depends on what it is that you want to automate. 
but we're getting automation rates with, um, for example, we automate Sky in Latin America on technical support, and we're doing 94% automation there. Um, and that includes a process where we're fixing a problem uh, and we're taking the customer all the way through the process of tier one support for their particular um, issues that they might have with a decoder or a remote or a, a channel, whatever it might be. And if it can't be fixed, we can then engage with the customer of booking a engineer visit. We can then take payment automatically as well. And then we schedule the call and update the CRM. So you can have something as complex as that, or you can have something as simple as making a, a one minute call or whatever it might be to make a smart meter booking for a consumer who wants to have a smart meter put in. So it can be very varied across the, the scale really. Okay. Mm. Interesting. So, so, so in the case of sky, uh, or let's actually take that like the meter. Uh, no, let's use the sky, the, the, the first tier support is that handling all first tier support? And so I'm trying to, what I'm trying to get to is how, what, what part are you measuring or attributing a successful case to the bot? Are you using the, the length of the call? Are you using some kind of attribution from when something's been resolved in the line of business system? Are you monitoring like the final intent within the conversation that you can say that at this point we know it's been resolved? Like, or are you looking at people who drop out of the conversation before what you would define as the end and then working back over to figure out the how many people were successful? Like, wh What is it that you're specifically looking for to say this conversation was a successful conversation tick? It, it tends to be a variety of elements because obviously within a contact centre, you'll have very many different KPIs that need to be managed and measured. And uh, if you take the call length as one of the first things, uh, when we were delivering Sky, Sky average call length was 13 minutes. Um, we now, because of the skill set of what we've delivered within the consultancy piece, the whole call length never reaches more than six minutes. So we are able to measure and be able to get rid of a problem much faster by what we're doing. And I think some of those elements are that we just want to get to the nub of the problem. We need to get that fixed quickly, and that's what the customer is after. And so by delivering that, we, we get a very high KPI rating within the first fix. And the, the first call um, response in terms of the fixes is very, very high. It's, in, it's like 75-plus um, um, percent of um, calls fixed on the first call. So it, it's all about how do we structure the call, how do we engage to get the information and elicit the right information, because we'll be delivering, dealing with so many different types of entities within that call. And uh, within that as well, I mean, one of the things I mentioned about um, background noise is many of the calls, and we've heard them so many times, many of the calls have so much going on in the background, like children screaming, dogs barking. And so we're able to even deal with that element to make sure that the, um, the first calls are dealt with effectively and that we deliver a very effective, um, uh, clear solution for Sky. And if it can't, 
The only reason why it can't is because it needs a physical call out um, for an engineer, like something is actually broken and that it can't be fixed remotely. So that's where we then move into the next stage uh, as well and then update the CRM and, and omni-channel out to the customer however they want to be updated. Interesting. With that background noise, if you'd added some uh, jazz flute or so, some kind of like reggae or smooth jazz in the background, <laughs> you'd have basically just described the noise in my house on a normal evening. <laughs> um, cool. That, so, go on. That's cool. Yeah, that, that, that works for me. Entirely. Yeah, that's yeah it. that works. So uh, we've got a question from Mona Lisa again, uh, which is how many languages are supported currently? Uh, is Hindi on the list? Uh, and I would want to test it definitely if that's the case. So maybe you're going to elaborate on, on language support and whether Hindi is available. Yes, Mona Lisa. Thank you very much for um, uh, the question. Uh, we can support any language. Um, it, it's, uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's really about um, making sure that we've got native speakers to be able to support a language, you know, such as Hindi. And um, we have the, the sort of core ones. We're, we've got eight core languages that support a majority, as you, could, you would expect across the, the world. And um, if it's something that you want specifically for that particular market, then all we would do is we would have somebody who is native um, understands the structure of what we're doing and can build that roadmap in terms of the scripting um, with the client and then that's it, we can deliver it. So it's not um, you know, something that we can't deliver, it's just that it might be a slightly extended period to deliver that only because the resource to do that for that particular language, that's all it is. Interesting. Thank you, Mona Lisa, for that question. If anyone else has any other questions for Clive, please do stick them in the comments. You mentioned earlier on that you don't rely on machine learning. I'm wondering if you can elaborate a little bit on, uh, without machine learning, what's the alternative and how how do you kind of approach it from a from a technical kind of point of view? Well, it's as we know, machine learning requires an awful amount of corpora to be able to teach the model. Um, and that that amount of corpus takes an extended amount of time, months and months and months to make it learn. And that's one of the things that is a real value about what we're delivering is that if you have a change in your circumstances within the business or there is a strategy change or a new product or a new service, we can deliver that really quickly. You know, it, as, as long as it takes us to create it, you know, on a on a uh, a normal um, laptop, we can create it for you, and, and all we have to do is then test it, provide the audio on the top, which is the voiceover, and then it's ready to deploy. And that is the very same thing that we identify when we get maybe a mismatch at some point in the early stages. We can identify the mismatches really quickly, and we deploy the change to those dynamically so that when the calls are coming in, you don't get that mismatch again. And that is the difference in the IP and the coding that we've written that enables us to be able to do that. And that's part and parcel of what the difference is with Sovereign's VPA opposed to like traditional types of processes of having to go through all this data and be able to um, challenge it as well. We're doing it 
automatically within the process and we can deploy it. And in actual fact, I'm not somebody that um, uh, has come from a technical background in the way of programming. But one of the things that I'd worked with before is other types of solutions in the past like this. And I came in and built an actual route for this and uh, a VPA within 15 minutes. So I thought, well, if I can do it within my own language, this is a very, very powerful tool um, for somebody who hasn't um, delivered anything like this before. It wasn't polished, but it showed that how quickly we can deliver and that if you've got areas like, for example, um, we, we do projects in the automotive industry where you get product recalls and you can imagine if you get a product recall that's really um, impacting safety, you need to get that dealt with very, very fast. And so we can then deploy that really quickly out to the market so that the inbound calls can be dealt with. We can book the calls or the appointment to deal with that safety check if it needs a recall in that way. And then, you know, you've then got a satisfied customer. You've saved the brand reputation as well because this is all about brand reputation at the end of the day and also retaining your customer um, to make sure that they go on and buy further products. So it, it does have a big impact right the way across the whole of the enterprise. Interesting. And what is the, how, how would you describe the, the, the kind of technology sort of stack, if you will? So the, the, the typical kind of call center bot for argument's sake requires speech recognition, requires NLU, requires dialogue management, requires some middleware to, to extract data from line of business systems, whatever it might be. Then it requires uh, text-to-speech is the typical sort of makeup. Is that similar with Sovereign? Is there anything different about the way that you uh, approach that typical kind of pipeline? I think that it, it always is a case that when we look at clients, how big is that client and what is the requirement? And, you know, to make our solutions really effective, there is no doubt about it that you want to be able to engage into the legacy systems because that's where the real power comes. We can deploy this on the front end with our own IVR if, if somebody wanted something of that nature. But obviously, you then don't get the integration piece that you know dynamically is going to help build a lot more of the process and, and reduce you know elements of cost maybe or improve CX, whatever it might be. So the typical situation would look like um, uh, building the structure of it, testing it, deploying it, and in between of those times in parallel, we want to run some sort of API or connector into those backends. Um, because we've already done so many of those, um, we can go into an Avaya or an 8x8 or a Genesis, or we can go into um, an SAP or a Salesforce. Um, we've got all of that type of connection readily available. And because people are using you know, all of these platforms now, it's quite easy for us to connect in. It's just, you know, it's, it's always like that the old story, I guess, came. You know, we've got a solution here that we can deliver now. You can have this in a really short time frame in a limited capacity if you don't want integration. But if you want the integration, 
Um, we, we don't have to wait nine months for a programmer on the client side. We've got the connectors that we can go into depending on what the platforms are that we need to connect to. And obviously there are times where we do need to integrate into things that we haven't integrated in before, but we do it, we've worked with it, we've done it with Sky, we've done it with Comgas, we've done it with Inchcape. We've, you know, we, 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 can, we can do most things that people need. It just depends on what the timing is that you want. So we try and make it as easy as possible. And sometimes one of the, the quickest ways to deliver it is to just drop in a, a project that deals with a simple process first and then start building on that, which is what we've done with a number of clients. But some people want us just to go in and do the full-blown delivery, which then we, we have to scale the um, resource from the client side to make sure that we can get into the back-end systems. Mm. Interesting. Some of the challenges that come with integrating into contact centers, one on the kind of companies that have like legacy implementations like an on-premise Avaya system or something like that with, with very little connectivity quite often it can be a bit of a challenge integrating into that sometimes you may have to like essentially host the call yourself have them just forward it to one of your hosted numbers and you manage the infrastructure and the call infrastructure the cloud systems like the Genesis cloud platforms and the Avaya cloud platforms all of those companies now have CPaaS kind of environments to sit alongside them, most of them with their own kind of bot building or conversational AI capabilities. And so they don't necessarily want to make it incredibly easy, uh, like Amazon Connect, for example, very easy to set up a Lex implementation, but very difficult to in integrate any any other third party. I wonder if you can elaborate on on any kind of challenges that you face, not only integrating into the line of business system side of things, but in maybe some of the barriers that companies might face when trying to implement this technology into the actual call center. Have you come across any any other challenges and any other advice that you might have for, for people trying to do the same? Yeah, I think that, there is always challenges in this market, you know, and you never know from today or tomorrow what we're going to be confronted with in terms of the technology stack. Um, and, you know, there are some things that are much more complicated and the, the technology stack is it's not my area of um, dealing with. I tend to, you know, bring our techie people into that. But from what I see, most of the time that we deal with it, we find a way of being able to find a a way around the problem so that we can deliver. And if that means that we use our own IVR at the front end to do that while the, the old legacy technology um, um, we can get into over a period of time, then we'll try and do that. And, and that tends to work in lots of ways because we can then we can get the process going and we can get the model in there and get it working and demonstrate you know the value behind that and i think that the other side of things is that where we see where and i i'll try and put this as best possible where people say yes we've got something in the platform in some of these ivrs that can do bot technology the the, the very simple thing around that is that they do very simple processes. And what we are about is very different. We're about the engagement and the experience 
and being able to, um, for example, cross-sell and upsell products and to be able to do outbound as well as handle the inbound. You know, we, we do some very different types of processes where you normally wouldn't associate our type of technology. For example, I'll give you one here, which is order to cash. Order to cash process is the whole process of going from acquisition to getting paid. And all of the elements evolved in, in the middle of that, which is how do you do the fulfillment, the warehousing, um, the order updates, the payments, all of those types of things. You couldn't expect any company that's running an IVR to be able to do that type of thing because it's not their specialism. Yeah. But this is what we do. This is about what we are about is to take processes that, and I think that this is a, a key part for us is that the discussions I have about this and the podcasts I've done on this and the discussions and the presentations is the ability for us to be able to automate what people think can't be automated. And that is really uh, a light bulb moment for lots of people that we talk to is that being at, having that ability to drive processes in a different way through automation that we can actually achieve a lot more through the technology that we've built. And it is very unique, our technology and the way that we build our VPAs, as, you, as you've heard today, but also what we achieve out the back end. And, the, and what we say with all our case studies, I must have now probably 30 case studies, maybe more of areas across all different markets where we haven't had one of our VPAs come out that's gone in because it's delivered more and more. And then the customer ends up saying, can we go and do this? Could it do this? And so of course, yes, it can. So we end up exploring avenues of different areas, which expand our capability as well. And it means that while that's all going on, we can then build on the integration piece with these legacy systems at the same time. Nice. Well put. Land and expand like it. Uh, and you're right, it's a good observation with with uh, the other kind of providers that have, you know, contact center technologies um, and CPaaS technologies, and then they're putting in their conversational capabilities, but it's a little bit like, and, and they, don't don't get me wrong, they're, they're trying, you know, Genesis acquired Born360, Vonage acquired uh, Open, is it OpenAI, I think it was, or Over, over AI rather. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so, so they're obviously working on it. I think the challenge is that um, when you don't specialize in it and it's not everything you live and breathe, you're inevitably going to build a ring-fenced environment, aren't you? Where as soon as a, a customer has a use case or a need that requires you to maybe break down a few of those walls to enable something like that order-to-payment use case or some other type of functionality that doesn't exist within there, maybe it's a very specific type of company that requires a very specific language model or a very specific speech recognition uh, training on top of the, a baseline model to, to give increased accuracy or whatever. You kind of find it a little bit hard to... to move around it and so i think that most organizations who are serious about doing things to a tremendously effective degree not necessarily dabbling and, and dipping the toes in might find a bit more success with looking for some some very deep specialisms and i think that 
you've covered a lot of, of really interesting concepts, a lot of really interesting ideas, uh, a lot of decent examples, and it sounds as though success wise, success wise, and success rates are, are pretty decent as well. So I'm I'm fully fully appreciative of you spending a bit of time with us, Clive, and uh, yeah, hopefully one day we might make it to the golf course. <laughs> well, it would be really good. <laughs> Kane, I'd love to do that, and um, I, I will be um, up for playing golf anytime you want to. And okay. uh, and it's been a really um, good opportunity to um, uh, tell people a little bit about what we do um, in a different way. And I think that that's you know, with with so many competitors in the market, you know, we're, it, it, it bombards people. And I think that it's really um, it must be hard for people that are listening to um, think where do I go for the solution that I need does it even exist out there mm -hmm. and, it, and it's really hard because when you when you do all the marketing and you try to explain people how different you are you know and the the ways that we do it are via um, things like live demonstrations put our neck on the line mm -hmm. show people what we can do differently um, and that you you know that what we've delivered, we've got so many results that we can show people that we we can do it across any type of process that it doesn't matter if it's simple or if it's complex. We've actually, um, I mentioned earlier about Comgas, the utility company in um, Brazil. That is the most complex process ever delivered in any company today. Nobody's delivered anything across an enterprise as, as that. And that handles so much of the process within customers. And it's even doing cross-selling, upselling, um, and servicing and support, um, as well as doing general admin for the accounts as well. So, you know, we know we can deliver it. And uh, we, we just like to be able to tell people what we do in a different way and that we can deliver it in such a way within a short period. And I think that there's been a market out there that has been demanding this type of technology where it's fallen short so many times on under-deliveries that it's really nice to be able to come on here anyway, Kane, and say, you know, this is what we do, and we're very confident about what we do and what we deliver. And so it's, it's great to be able to tell people more about what we do. Good. Good. Yeah, I think that in a, as you said, in a, in a market that is very competitive and also in a field that is very new, you have companies who are now hearing about this, understanding that there's value there, understanding there could be opportunities to explore, but don't really understand where to start, what to look for, you know, and, and how to go about doing it. So that's kind of what we try and do is to is to bring that knowledge and that guidance through people like yourself and companies like Sovereign and others to, to try and help, you know, educate, build that knowledge so that when people do have the need, they're informed and they're able to uh, go into the market with a with a degree of knowledge and also the expectations of, of, of what's in store and also some connections and some, some companies that they're aware of that they can approach. And so if people are interested, if they want to learn more about Sovereign, over an AI, if they want to check out what you do, if they want to reach out and explore some potential opportunities, what's the what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can contact us on info at sovereignai.com um, and uh, that will get um, through to us anyway. Um, and uh, Or you can direct to me, uh, which is clive.elford at sovereignai.com, um, same, same way. 
And uh, we'd be only too pleased to talk to people, however small um, or however large the, the uh, project is. Um, we're really ha happy to show people how it can be done differently. And I think that's part and parcel of what we um, get involved in is being able to demonstrate what can be done with this type of technology. And bearing in mind, probably when you think about it over the next three to five years, probably all websites will probably convert to voice, mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and, and so many people want to drive voice now and the ability to be able to do what you want to do at the time you want to do it as a consumer and be able to get that type of service and feel engaged with is a very powerful medium um, from what we've delivered. Mm, definitely, definitely. Well, Clive, it's been an absolute pleasure. I've enjoyed every single minute of it. Definitely, I'm, I'm now a fan of Sovereign AI, without a doubt, and I can I can talk with you with talk about you rather with a degree of confidence uh, when 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 the conversation pops up. And I'm certainly definitely a fan of the way you're approaching it uh, and and how you and how you're going about it. So I appreciate it. Um, Thank you all for listening as well. Thank you all for being yeah. involved uh, and for chipping in. Uh, Mona Lisa, Fraser, Chaim, I appreciate it. And uh, if you are not yet subscribed, uh, but you would like to get interviews like this, like the one we have with Clive just now and, and many other companies similar, uh, doing some really interesting and groundbreaking and innovative work in the conversation on the voice AI space, head to vux.world forward slash subscribe to get them all in your inbox. Next week, we'll be speaking to Ronald Ashery of Open Dialogue and we'll be discussing... Uh, really the future of conversation design. Uh, I give a talk, I don't know if you've seen this or not, Clive, but I gave a talk at Voice Talks recently uh, and it was about the future of conversation design. And I was touching on a couple of couple of kind of topics, some of which we might have got into today in terms of models that don't require machine learning, uh, you know, intentless NLUs, conversations that essentially design themselves based on knowledge-based and knowledge management. And I kind of floated this idea about the fact that the technology is pushing the industry so far forward that the role of the people involved in implementing a project like this is changing and the role of what we know as a conversation designer is changing and open dialogue have got a design tool and a design system and a, and a philosophy around conversation design which is totally different to any other company that I've seen to date. And so if you are interested in learning a little bit more about that, do join us next Thursday. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until next time, see you later. Great. Thank you.